join me as we pray together. Father, we ask that you turn our hearts toward you and to your word. You would bring to light the truth of the Bible by the power of your spirit and you would teach us the things that we need to know. You would train our stubborn hearts to surrender more and more willingly and lovingly to the leading of your spirit and to the truth of your word. That you would help us to see constantly that there are more for us than there are against us. That we would turn our affections more toward you and away from the things of the world, the things that so easily entangle us. And this morning as we consider the person of the Holy Spirit and the truth that He is our helper, help us to see the Lord Jesus high and lifted up. Help us discover, to discover the marvelous riches of who He is, of how He came to transform our lives. Help us to see ourselves and our great need for You. And ever remind us that there is help available and that our help comes from you. Thank you, O Lord, and we give you praise for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. In the 1960s, the Beatles wrote these words, help. I need somebody. Help. Not just anybody. Help. You know I need someone. Help. And you can probably imagine in your mind the Beatles singing that loudly, the guitars and the drums playing to the beat. When I was younger, so much younger than today, I never needed anybody's help in any way. But now these days are gone. I'm not so self-assured. Now I've found, I've changed my mind and opened up the doors. Help me if you can. I'm feeling down. And I do appreciate you being around. Help me get my feet back on the ground. Won't you please, please help me? I need help. A lot of help every day. And my suspicion is you do too. More often than not, personally, I, I try to help myself and I, I look around and wonder where I'm or how I can do things and figure it out. And I forget the truth of Psalm 121. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Help, real help, is available to anyone who places their trust in Christ. God provides help. It's not just a somebody or an anybody. It's the person of God Himself and the Holy Spirit. And the main idea of what I want to communicate to you today in the time we have is that Jesus promises the Holy Spirit as the helper for all true believers. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit as the helper for all true believers. We can find encouragement, we can find comfort, we can find strength in those words. We turn to our Bibles in John chapter 14. Jesus, to set the stage, is celebrating the Passover with His disciples. It's the Last Supper. And this chapter begins with what a lot of people will call Jesus' farewell discourse, His farewell address. 
some of the last words he would speak to his disciples before the crucifixion. See, the time for Jesus to go to the cross was coming very near. And Jesus had so much he still wanted to tell his disciples, so many things there were still to do. In the previous chapter, Jesus models the heart of a servant by washing the disciples' feet. He points out that one of them will betray him, and it's Judas Iscariot. And Judas departs. He reminds them of the truth that above all things, love is most important. Love one another. All men will know you're my disciples if you love one another. He predicts, and Peter denies that he'll deny the Lord. The disciples at this point are discouraged. They're troubled. They're confused, and they're perhaps even a little bit fearful. Jesus, the man that they loved, they trusted, they followed, was going to die. And they would be alone. And Jesus spoke words of comfort. Chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. The faith and trust that those men had placed in Jesus would carry them, would comfort them in the days that would follow. See, what Jesus spoke was true. He would be crucified. He would be raised to life again. He would see them again and he would not leave them alone. He would send them the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus was sending them a helper and he asked them to believe him, to trust in him. And so in the first part of your outline, it's just the helper. And this helper that Jesus is speaking about is the Holy Spirit. You see at first in verse 15, where you see if you love me, in verse 15 and 16, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and then I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Now, depending on your translation, you may see the word different. You may see the word advocate. You may see counselor. You may see comforter. Or you may be familiar with the word paraclete. But Jesus promised to send another helper. Now that word helper or paraclete means someone that comes alongside. It's originally a legal term. Someone who would speak in another's defense. So think about a court advocate. We have you know, court-appointed special advocates that speak on behalf of children. They speak for their best interest and they represent them. It came to mean someone who would strengthen or encourage someone else. And in chapters 14 through 16, Jesus uses the word four different times. But he doesn't just say helper, he says it's another helper. Which begs the question, who is the other helper? If Jesus is another helper, who is the other helper? Well, Jesus himself is the first and foremost helper or advocate. And he promises by his authority... To send a second. Another. Of the same likeness and kind. See, the Holy Spirit was just like Jesus. He was part of the Trinity. He was God. B.H. Carroll. um, Longtime Texas Baptist from the 1800s called him the other Jesus. And the Holy Spirit would maintain Jesus' presence with his Disciples. The only difference, it wasn't Jesus beside them walking 
on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, but it would be Jesus inside them by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all the things that Jesus says the Spirit will do for His disciples is what Jesus did for them in the Gospels when we read. And so the Spirit continues on the work of Jesus and His presence in the life of believers. And that's so encouraging. You see, this presence of the Holy Spirit being in believers, this helper is dependent on our faith. And Jesus in these verses describes his faith in terms of both love and obedience. And you find that in the Bible those two are tied together and they're inseparable. In verse 21 he says, Whoever has my commands and keeps them, he it is who loves me. But in verse 23 he says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. So we could say that that love motivates obedience, that we're obedient because of love. But also that obedience is the evidence of love. They're inseparable. Another way you could say that would be to say that love is the proof of faith and it leads to obedience. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, I think it helps us to understand this when he writes, For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. So the love of God is to keep His commandments. So it's loving obedience. And based on that loving obedience, Jesus promises to send the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, And He who loves Me will be loved by My Father, and I will love Him and manifest Myself to Him, reveal Myself, present Myself to Him. Verse 23, listen to this, We will come to Him and make our home, our dwelling place, our abiding place with Him, our residence. So if you have Jesus in your life, you have the Helper. Many of you, whether it's a good or bad experience, have probably contacted a help desk or customer support. And if you manage to make it through the the tree of um, obstacles where you press one for this and press one for that, or if it's even the worst of all, you have to say, you know, what you need, and you and it's always the wrong thing, you know, customer support. Did you say renew your subscription? You know, and it just and it's always totally the opposite of what you say. And if you finally get to a person, you can sometimes receive valuable and help and great help while it's available. And if it's good customer service, you learn to lean on it, you depend on it. But then there comes this day when they're, they term end of support. You can call the number, but they're not going to talk to you. You can send them an email, but they're not going to respond. For a follower of Jesus, there's no end of support. There is a help desk that is eternally available to those that have need. And so a true disciple, a follower of Jesus, has the promise that God will send a helper, the Holy Spirit, that promises to be with them forever. But in these verses, Jesus not only refers to him as the helper, he also refers to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of truth. We see it in the first part of verse 17 when he says, even the Spirit of truth. Why? Because truth would be the major characteristic that would mark the ministry, the mission of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says he would teach, he would guide to truth. 
A.W. Tozer called him the truth guide. And he's the spirit of truth. He takes what belongs to Christ, what is of Christ, and makes it known to us. And it's so vital that he's the spirit of truth in our lives because we can't know truth apart from the spirit. It's the only way that we can know the truth of Scripture is by the Holy Spirit enlightening us. We couldn't understand and then correctly apply Scripture if we didn't have the Holy Spirit, if we didn't have His help. We couldn't worship in a place like this in spirit and truth unless the Holy Spirit was in us. But it's so so encouraging. It's so wonderful to think that we need help and God provides it. What we lack in ourselves, God always provides pours out generously to us as we have need. So the Holy Spirit is our help for, helper. He's our counselor. He's our comforter. He's our advocate. And Jesus promises that the Father will send this spirit of truth. And if we believe the words of Jesus, then we have to take into consideration Luke eleven thirteen when he says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children... If you can go down to Walmart and buy something your kids like, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? He's a good gift giver. And so the second thing you see on your outline is that He's given by the Father. The first point under that is is another phrase that that helps, I think, is that He's given or He's sent by the Father. Both of those are are indicated in, in our text. Verse 16, I will ask the Father and He will give or send you another helper. He will give you as a gift. Verse 25, whom the Father will send. Have you ever thought about every gift that God gives us is a grace gift? Even the very next breath that we are able to to breathe in and breathe out. To inhale and to exhale is a gift of God out of His marvelous grace. The fact that you're still here. The fact that someone that is battling with faith and may consider themselves an atheist or an agnostic or something else or a nun or a dun or whatever. The fact that they're still living and breathing on this earth is the evidence of God's grace. The fact that we get another chance and we blow it is evidence of God's grace. And His grace is sufficient and God is good and He gives us what we need. He provides the Spirit, as we looked at a few weeks ago, without measure. And the Spirit is given, the Holy Spirit is given in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. According to the worth, the merit, the value of a wonderful Savior. In the strength of His authority, Think about it. Jesus came in the name of the Father, and Jesus says He will send the Spirit in His name. You see the perfect union of the the Trinity, and the Spirit will come in the name of Jesus. Remember, He's the other helper. He's of the same kind as Jesus. Now, Scripture, and if you look at Philippians, you can see it both ways. Philippians 1.19, He says, He calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Jesus and then if you read just a couple of chapters, Philippians 3, chapter 3, verse 3, calls him the Spirit of God. That's because there's a oneness, there's a unity in the, in the Trinity. And because God loves us, He generously gives the Spirit to us. 
But also in these things, we hear that phrase, in my name, and it reminds me of the, the power and the privilege that we have of asking for something in Jesus' name. You know, it's more than that tagline we throw at the end of our prayers, but it's according to God's will and plan. It's according to His authority. J.C. Ryle, one of the archbishops of Canterbury, wrote these words. These words are a direct encouragement in Jesus' name to the simple yet great duty of praying. Everybody who kneels before God and from his heart says his prayers has a right to take comfort in these words. Weak and imperfect are his supplications, weak as they may be, so long as they are put in Christ's hands and offered in Christ's name, they shall not be in vain. You ever struggle to pray the right words? You think, gosh, if I could just pray like him, because he always puts those words in the right order. You know, and, and man, I tell you, the best, most valuable prayer I've ever prayed in my life is just flat out help. I don't know about you, but just sometimes help. And you just get yourself out of the way and let God do the work. And you say, help, God, I'm here. And why? Because Raul continues, we have a friend at court and an advocate with the Father. And if we honor him by sending all our petitions through him, he pledges his word that they shall succeed. We have the Spirit inside Helping us to pray when we don't want to pray. We have Jesus in heaven interceding for us before the Father. It's marvelous. It's a gift. It's prayer. But the next thing, back to our outline, is, is see there in that, that section, is because the Holy Spirit is sent by the Father in the name of Jesus. He's known by believers. Jesus wants the disciples to know that this Holy Spirit, you, you know Him. He's not coming into your house as a stranger. He's coming as a welcome friend because he is me. Verse 17, Jesus encourages his disciples by saying what? You know him. You remember that? It's that awkward part of growing up when somebody sees you and they haven't seen you in like 10 years. And they're like, do you remember me? No. I remember you when you were this tall, you know, and, and your mom is like poking you. You know, you remember them. I don't remember them, you know. But, you know, and so it's sometimes you could meet somebody one time and, and they may know a lot about you and they may follow you because of your parents, but you just, you know, you don't really know them. Or the more awkward things are when you, you think you know somebody and you don't, you know. And, and, and this happens to me all the time. I find people that are lookalikes. And, and one time I tried to sick Deborah and I'm Samara on the lady that was not Brenda Ranson um, at Lowe's. It was not at all her. And, and so, you know, there's these moments. But, but Jesus is saying, you know him. You know him because he is me. He's familiar to you. He's your helper. You know the Holy Spirit because you know me. And the Holy Spirit would replace Jesus' physical presence with his inner presence. I love the word that Brother Jimmy Nelson coined in this. You know, it's Jesus in us. He'll be in you. Verse number 17. The Spirit's known to you. He's with you. He's in you. And it's something that the world around us, people apart from Christ, can't understand and they can't receive. Verse 17, it reminds us why the world can't. Because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You see, the world around us apart from Christ doesn't listen to God's voice. They don't accept His truth. And they certainly don't walk in God's ways. 
They're a lot like the person described in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. The natural person, you remember this, does not accept the things of the Spirit, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So a person that is of the world, a natural person, doesn't understand these things because God hasn't revealed them. So Judas is trying to, Judas not the betrayer, Judas is trying to figure these things out. So he asked Jesus a question, verse 22. Judas said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Or another way, how are we going to see you and know you, but they are not going to know you? And Jesus reminds him that the world does not love me and does not keep my words. In other words, there's no relationship there. There's no faith, there's no trust, so they they can't know me. They've never met me. We'll look at next week, though, about some of the work of the Spirit, how the Spirit does work in the life of unbelievers to bring conviction of, of sin. But to know and to walk with Him intimately requires a relationship with Christ. And so since they don't know or accept Jesus, then there's no way in the world that they would know Accept or receive the Holy Spirit. Now another thing Jesus makes clear in this passage is that that the Holy Spirit coming is dependent on Jesus going away. He told His disciples that He would go to Jerusalem. He would be crucified and He would rise on the third day. Read about that in John chapter 12 and other places in the other three Gospels. Jesus makes it clear or tries to make it clear, even though they still have a difficult time. But now the reality is finally starting to sink in. They're in Jerusalem. The cross was near, and Jesus' time had come. Jesus was coming to send, Jesus was going to send a helper. They're excited about that, but he first must go away. And they're confused. They, they still don't grasp and understand Chapter 16, verse 7, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come, but if I go, I will send him to you. See, Jesus had to go away. He had to go to the cross. He had to rise from the dead. He had to ascend, because until, not until the point that he ascended to heaven would the Spirit descend at Pentecost. So Jesus had to go away, but he wouldn't leave them alone. Verse 18, so comforting. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And then verse 19. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On down a little further to verse 28. You heard me say to you, I am going away and if I will come, and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced. Because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. So he's going away. He's going to ascend to heaven, but he's going to come again in the presence of the Spirit, and then he's going to return again in the last days in all of his glory. So the Father gives the Helper to us. But what is the Helper supposed to do? What is the Holy Spirit supposed to do? We can find six things, and we'll move through these very quickly in the few minutes that we have left in this verse, and we'll look at some more things later on. But what is the... Holy Spirit, do for believers, what benefit is there in my life and in your life to have the indwelling presence of Christ? First thing, there's power for service in Jesus' name. 
Not power for your own sake. You can read the story in Acts about somebody that wanted to buy that power for themselves. But because Jesus is going to the Father, verse 12, He says that the disciples will do greater things than He does. Greater things. The disciples would... When Jesus ascended, the disciples would have an advocate in heaven interceding for them and another advocate of the same kind on earth indwelling them. In other words, they would be filled with power and they would be receiving the benefit of power-filled prayers from heaven. And that power would enable them to serve. Ordinary men, ordinary women doing greater works in the power of the Spirit. Your reference guide for this is the book of Acts. You see the work of the disciples. And while no miracle could be greater than raising Lazarus from the dead, with the fact that Jesus was in heaven praying and the Spirit would be with them, we see the marvelous work of the spread of the gospel beginning to make its way to the ends of the earth. One commentator, Guthrie, says these words, Greater works would then relate to the wider opportunity which the believers would have when Jesus returned to the Father. It would then be possible for Jesus to work through His people. And so these greater works are not necessarily the fact that there would be greater miracles than Jesus, but the extent, the wideness of those things would would expand because... Jesus would not be limited to his geographical presence, but his spirit in presence by his spirit could go anywhere. And you see that move from first from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so there's power. There's second of all intimacy with Jesus. By the spirit. In the spirit. A Christian can enjoy a special close relationship with Jesus. How does it stir your heart when Jesus says, I will come to you? What do you think about in verse 20 when you look at the phrase, you in me and I in you? You see, the Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force that God just poofs on us. He's the intimate presence of Jesus. And if, a, and if a believer is in Christ, and if they are in Christ, they are a believer, then Christ is in the believer by the Holy Spirit. And just as Jesus and the Father and the Spirit are united, Jesus is united with believers by the Holy Spirit in them. What does it do to you when you see the words of Jesus that Because I live, you will live. How does it feel at the end of a no-down, rotten, sorry day to just crawl up in a chair, open up your Bible, and realize that you are in the presence of Jesus? Sadness, grief, hurt, anger, fear, you name all the things. All those things can be wiped away in an instant by fellowshipping with the Savior, by the presence of the Spirit. It's intimate. Don't ask me to explain it. I can't. But if you have experienced it, it's inexpressible joy and peace. Third thing, by the Spirit, God will make His home in believers. Verse 23 helps us see it. 
Look at the phrase, we will come to him, the one who Jesus loves, and make our home with him. Now, this isn't, the, this isn't your child from college saying, Dad, I'm moving back in. This isn't your in-law saying, we're going to come stay for a month. This is the personal presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Trinity, all that God has, saying, I'm going to make our home with you because you trust in me and you have faith in me. So not only do Christians have a home waiting for them in heaven, but they are a home for God in His presence. It's a fulfillment of the Old Testament promise that you see in Exodus and other places where God says, I will dwell among them and be their God. And they will be my people. I think Ephesians 3.17 touches a little bit on it when it just expresses that Christ dwells in your heart by faith. One commentator says it's Jesus says nothing less. Listen to this. Jesus says nothing less than that our poor and needy hearts will become the residents of the triune God. Your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit, a dwelling place of the living God. Fourthly, the Holy Spirit supports loving obedience. Remember, he's our helper. He's the one that comes alongside us. We mentioned earlier that there was this connection that is unbreakable between love and obedience verse 23 if anyone loves me he'll keep my word if the believer does his part that's love and trust christ that god will do his part and that is enabling us with the power to obey the reason we can obey god the reason that we can walk in truth is because god makes it possible by the presence of the holy spirit in us So on a good day when you're able to keep your word or keep God's word, when you feel like you're walking in truth or you're doing some of what pleases God, realize it's not because you're having a good day. It's not because you got your act together. It's because God, through his Holy Spirit, is working in you and through you. Fifthly, his role is to teach and remind us, verse 26, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, catch this, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Students, I'm sorry, this doesn't work in chemistry class. I know, I took chemistry multiple times and it did not work in chemistry. But what is he saying? He's saying that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. We said earlier his mission is characterized by truth. So we could argue that the Holy Spirit is the chief teacher of the church. A teacher who never con contradicts the truth of scripture who always points to jesus and honors god in all situations and he brings things to remembrance imagine all of the things that jesus must have said to these men imagine the task that would be ahead of them as many of them would write what we have today in the new testament he worked to help them recall these things to bring them to remembrance. And in turn, they would apply Jesus' words to their lives and the life of the other church. They would pass those words on to faithful men and to us today. That's why we have Scripture today. And so the Holy Spirit is our helper, our teacher. It's 
why 1 Corinthians 2.13 is, is so true. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by who? The Spirit. Interpreting spiritual truth to those who are spiritual. And then lastly, we can see that He brings peace. Look at verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So he's promised to send the helper. He's leaving his peace. The abiding presence of Jesus brings about peace by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why Romans 14, 17, you can look it up later, tells us that we have peace and joy in who? The Holy Spirit. You can read in Galatians 5, start in verse 22, about the fruit of the Spirit. And you see that peace is a fruit of the Spirit. And so Jesus leaves his disciples and believers after that spiritual peace. And the Holy Spirit is the person in the believer that will manifest that peace. Romans 8, verse 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But get this. But to set the mind on the Spirit is what? Life and peace. Amen? Not peace like the world offers. Not real peace. It's real peace. It's inner peace. It's first of all peace with God. It leads to peace with others. It leads with peace in the midst of circumstances that we don't like. And probably most difficult and most challenging, it leads to peace with ourselves. I'm convinced that sometimes the greatest enemy in our life is us. That we battle most stringently so often against our own self. It's our own Self-image, because we see ourselves through our own eyes and not in the image of our makers. We see our version of truth instead of God's version of truth. We see our version of situations instead of God's version of situation. We think we know the road map when God sees it from a 60, you know, however high God is above all. He sees all things. But there is a peace that passes all understanding and it's a peace that in us. And it brings us back to the beginning that Jesus promises the Holy Spirit as the helper for all true believers and God has gifted us graciously gifted us with a helper who will see us all the way home all the way home he'll lead us guide us teach us remind us encourage us seal us and comfort us not just for a little while not just here's a good start now you finish on your own but all the way home going to be flat out really honest last week was a hard week and i went to walk around the store and i was hungry and found myself eating a three dollar value meal at burger king coke zero double cheeseburger onion rings sitting there i just sit down in the booth i passed on the free crown that was available next to me um, it was tempting, but I passed. And I just dipped my first onion ring and ketchup and my phone rings. And I look down and it says, Leonard Jones. And I answered the phone and Leonard said, how are you doing, brother? And I was like, well, not great. And he began to encourage me. Um, from the scriptures, he scare, shared verses out of Habakkuk with me. He reminded me of the truth of who I am in Christ. And 
it reminded me, just as we're talking about, I mean, I can't tell you how many trips I've made to Honduras. I can't tell you how many times I've sat in Burger King or Wendy's or Kentucky Fried Chicken eating a value meal, the least expensive item on the menu, which generally is, you know, small hamburger, small fries, small drink, and sat across the table with a man who would impart words of challenge, words of wisdom, words of love, and words of truth. And at the point of very, very present need, God provided a phone call from a man who has greatly impacted my life in an environment that I was familiar with. And while I couldn't be in Honduras, sitting in La Ceiba at the Burger King, I was sitting in the Burger King in Burleson, Texas, and he was sitting in his house. And God was using him by the power of his Spirit to minister to me. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone help. Here's the deal. God knows we need help. God's provided it for us, for all believers by His Spirit. And I just want to say praise God. We have a helper. Will you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful for the help that you provide. That even though so often, so infrequently do we lift our eyes up to see the help that comes from you. We look around and try to figure out other ways to deal with things ourselves. That you are so gentle. You are so generous. You are so giving and so loving that you have sent us your Holy Spirit. That he is our helper. He's our counselor, our advocate. He is your presence with us. And my prayer this morning is that these words offer words of strength, words of comfort, words of hope, words of joy to all of us. To the believer. Just a sweet reminder of what we have because of what Jesus has done for us. And as a result of His sacrifice, His giving Himself for us, His obedience, His faithfulness, His love, that we can have a relationship with You. It's not long distance. It's intimate and personal by the Holy Spirit in us to the non-believer or to the one questioning things of the faith. My prayer is that by your gentleness that you would open blind eyes. You would encourage doubting hearts. And that you would reveal yourself to them as the spirit of truth. That all the other voices around would be quietened. Even those that shout so loudly. Either from inside our heads or from the outside. And they would hear your voice clear. Precise. 
without question, come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Thank you for your help, O Lord, by your Spirit. Help us to not take it for granted, but to lean into and lean on it at all times and always be ready to give thanks for what you do. For we love you and we pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen.